You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. There is no denying that we have a massive student debt crisis on our hands in America. There are disagreements about what the government should do about that crisis, but there's no good faith argument against the fact that the burden of student loans is just crushing millions of Americans' hopes for financial success and economic freedom. But my next guest makes the important point that Americans aren't all affected equally by rising student debt. Brookings Institute Metropolitan Policy Program senior fellow Andre Perry notes that black and poor Americans are hit the hardest. Big surprise there, right? I mean, that, that is the nexus of inequality in our country. And Perry says the government should make wealth and not income the defining factor when deciding who gets their student debt canceled. That's where we want to continue the conversation here on Detroit Today. And I want to welcome Andre Perry, Senior Fellow at the Metropolitan Policy Program at Brookings, to the program. Andre, welcome back to Detroit Today. Hey, thanks for having me, Stephen. Always a pleasure. Yes. So uh, let's start here. What are the defining features of this national student debt crisis? And what does that problem look like for people in general in our country? And what does it look like for African-Americans and the poor? You know that people don't realize this, but student debt actually ranks second among all forms of debt in the United States. Um, it's only second behind mortgages, which is actually a good form of debt. Right. Um, student loans represents um, a category of uncollateralized debt that you know is really a drain on um, families. And and this is the other co- contextual reality is that higher education is almost needed to be middle class in society. Um, Back in the day, we considered uh, K-12 education as basic. Everyone receives some form of financial aid, so to speak. Everyone can go to a public um, school and no one complains about those grants. But now in in, in, in this knowledge economy, you almost have to have a college degree. So Um, Folks are going to college more, particularly African-Americans, and they're, but because of the wealth divide, black Americans have, um, uh, or white Americans have 10 times the amount of wealth, meaning assets minus debts, um, your net worth than African-Americans. And so it's no surprise that black Americans, about 37% of us will default at some point compared to 12% of white borrowers because, um, plainly because if you don't have wealth, you're more likely to make serious falls. So what we argue in this paper, um, um, instead of a student's debt cancellation should consider wealth, not income, you can get that on the Brookings platform, is that that um, when you're just, when you're, um, designing these policies to cancel debt, because you're right, everybody agrees that something should be done. Instead of income, look at people's wealth profiles as a consideration, because the the reality is that many high income, low wealth people are struggling Mm. to 
make um, to to build wealth because of student loans. Yeah, I think that's a really critical point to make, and it's a difficult thing for a lot of people, I think, to get their minds around because we equate income with wealth in many cases in this in this country. I think there's a, a kind of simplistic. Uh, reflexive uh, assumption that you know people who make lots of money don't need don't need financial help or or, or should be fine. Uh, the idea that they don't, though, I think, is again tied to these historic inequalities. If you're African American and have a high income, that's fantastic. But you also uh, are less likely to come from the kind of wealth that uh, that that other Americans might have enjoyed, and that makes you more vulnerable. Yeah, you know, I think underlying all of what you said is a misconception that education predicts for wealth. Hmm. It's actually the opposite. Um, the 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 amount of homes you own, your four hundred one k. Include, and, and in addition, your income, all of those things are a, are a predictor for education, a predictor for health, a predictor for where you go to school, how you live. And so if you don't have wealth, you, you, you're, you're more likely to go to under-resourced schools. You're more likely to um, select jobs that um, are will try to eliminate debt instead of working in the job that you really want to work in, um, you know, wealth is such a strong predictor, but people just confuse that if you make $150,000, you're wealthy. But the actuality is that people actually go to school um, to get a good income, mm-hmm. but in the process, they take on debt and and for at least low wealth individuals. So we're we're essentially arguing in this paper, hey, if you're going to select a plan and there's generally three plans out there, you have Biden's $10,000 relief plan or cancellation for everyone. You have um, Senator Sanders' plan that he talked about, which is the most expansive, that would cancel all of the $1.7 million of a trillion of debt. And then you have um, Senator Warren's plan that she um, um, campaigned on when she was a, a Democratic presidential candidate. She wants up to a maximum of $50,000, but she wants to means test based on income. But of all of those policies, um, without question, Sanders' plan has the the biggest impact on low wealth individuals. Mm. Um, and and Warren, Senator Warren's plan also um, would put a dent into the wealth divide, a, 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 a small but significant dent. But um, Vice, um, but President Biden's plan does really little um, when you look at the the wealth um, inequality in this country. Yeah. So, so I want to talk, kind of pull the lens back just a little bit here and talk about. The, the the general debate about student loan debt and what to do about it. A, a lot of the pushback, and there, I don't think there is a ton of pushback uh, against the idea that we should do something, uh, but there is there are people who say, uh, for instance, look, I, I I 
went to college and paid my loans off. Why should somebody else who who did the same thing, who's unable to keep up, get the government's help? Uh, I, I want to spend just a little time talking about this uh, this idea that hey, I struggled and I got through. How come these people can't do the same? There's something very American, I think, about that sentiment. Um, uh, but there's also something inherently uh, really unfair about it. Well, not really. We're living in a much different context. Even 20 years ago, I went to Allegheny College in Meadville, Pennsylvania, um, went in 1989 to 93. And at the time, my tuition was 18000 um, And since then, um, it has more than doubled. I mean, it, it's maybe tripled in just a short period of time. Hmm. Tuition spikes are really, um, it puts uh, the the student loan debate in a different category. Mm -hmm. In addition, we are in a crisis, just like the housing crisis where we had to provide relief um, in order to get the the economy going and then then reset and then um, have new policies and procedures moving forward. We're in that place now. If we don't do something, the entire economy can suffer. Um, And and so, yes, we have a different context. Um, Tuition now is much higher than it's ever been. And um, we're in a crisis as a result of those tuition hikes. So it goes without saying, we need also need moving forward after we cancel debt, a um, some system to help colleges and universities control spending and tuition spikes. And we need to have some form of um, a free college for two-year and four-year schools, particularly for public institutions. And so, you know, this saying, hey, I paid it, therefore you have to pay it, <laughs> this doesn't hold up. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking with uh, Andre Perry, a senior fellow in the Metropolitan Policy Program at Brookings, uh, also a scholar in residence at American University and the author of the book, Know Your Price, Valuing Black Lives and Property in America's Black Cities. We're talking about a new piece he has out that talks about uh, how we ought to deal with the student loan crisis in this country and that we ought to be conditioning cancellation more on wealth than on income because uh, that would account for some of the real inequalities that play out in our country in lots of different contexts, but have especially played out uh, in the context of student debt. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, give us a call and tell us what you think we ought to be doing about this massive $1.7 trillion student debt crisis uh, in our country. What do you think should be the most important factor when we think about canceling or forgiving student debt? Should it be income? How would you make it about wealth? Uh, Or should it be something else? Uh, Also, give us a call if you're somebody who doesn't think we ought to be doing something about this. If you're somebody who went through through school, got loans and paid them off and and think that it should be the way that everybody uh, gets higher education, uh, we'd love to hear from you as well. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. 
or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Uh, and uh, we'll work in the conversation. As always, when we have this conversation on the show, I also want to hear from people about their own student loan experiences. Uh, Are you somebody who's really struggling to pay off that debt? Are you somebody who has had to put off other kinds of financial decisions in your life, like uh, buying a house or having children uh, because of the load from uh, your student debt, uh, we always want to hear about uh, those experiences as well. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Uh, we've got a couple of social media comments I want to sprinkle in the conversation here. Uh, a Twitter comment says, free college for all, no matter what. Let's just try that first. Uh, Big Neo says, as it pertains to student debt relief, there is a, quote, I paid mine. You should pay yours mindset. There are too many folks that are just flat out against people getting government help. Those same folks like the thought of others being less off, uh, less well off than they are. Um, Another Twitter comment says, I wonder why there is not more conversation about bringing student loans interest rates to zero. Wiping out the debt strikes many as unfair and seems politically difficult. No interest would make a huge difference, especially given that the rate is often uh, so high. Before we uh, get to more listeners, uh, Andre, I want to give you a chance to react to at least a couple of those. What about moving interest rates to zero? Uh, would that I, that doesn't get at? I know what you're talking about, but is that is that something we ought to be thinking about when we're talking about these solutions? I mean, um, interest rates are already very low on student loans. It's the the issue is more is more about. Um, um, everyday people almost have to go to college and the the rise in tuition is just outpacing um, the our cost of living and inflation. Hmm. And so um, it's not the interest rate, really. It's just people have to take out loans and particularly low income people. You know, um, 51% of all student loans are taken out by people with zero or negative wealth, hmm. 51%. So it's telling you, that stat is telling you that, that low income, low wealth people are saying, I have to go to college, but I have to take on student loan debt. And, and because of that, it's just ballooning. And to and, and from a university perspective, I was a former dean, former college professor, and I can say I've never... Uh, saw a tuition hike a, uh, a president college president didn't like so um, and so how colleges and universities adjust for budget troubles for um, um, development issues they they increase tuition because it, the um, federal government would subsidize um, um, loans and and that infusion of cash just keeps um, um, raising tuition, help, right. helping to raise tuition. Yeah, and so I, there's a couple things going on. But let's be—I just want to be clear: people have to go to college just to make ends meet, yeah. but they're taking on significant debt. And for low wealth individuals, that's just a burden on accumulating other assets that actually build wealth. You yeah. can't—it's harder to buy a home, for instance, when you have when you're straddled 
with this kind of debt. Yeah, I, I, I have had this argument, in fact, with the president at the University of Michigan, who talks a lot about uh, the university being accessible to anybody who can get in. He says, you know, if you can get in, we will make sure that you can pay to be here. But what he doesn't say is that a lot of that help comes in the form of these loans, which are, you know, are, are as you point out, uh, you know, are the kind of, you know, economic shackles that'll be with you for a really long time after you get that uh, degree. And it's not that, that uh, the, the university is uh, wrong for trying to access those loans for students, but it is that the university keeps increasing the cost in a way that makes those loans necessary for people who want to go to the to the university. Uh, well, you know, um, I, I would just challenge you on the little bit of language. It, it's an increase in price, not necessarily cost. They're right. That's you know, right. <laughs> they, they're, they're teaching math the same way they did 200 years ago. That's right. But the price tag is. It looks a lot certainly different. That's but exactly no, but there are costs, real cost increases. But the the real, but but like I said, tuition is outpaced inflation, and so um, people are really going to to college essentially to make a li living. But it's they're being saddled with debt, yeah. and and this is the other thing. I think one of the comments in this is we should have free college, and that is true. Um, I, I, if people are going to college just to make ends meet, then it's no longer, higher ed is no longer just a career choice or a luxury. Mm. Um, it, when I was coming up, you could work in a factory, you could work in a blue collar job and afford to go to college or um, live a middle-class lifestyle. That is not the case today. Mm. And so when people say, oh, I did it, so should you, it is not the same context. And we absolutely need to grow the economy, more people to go to college. So we should have, um, I, I don't like, I mean, we do say free college, but it's really um, subsidized education. And because and, no one bats an eye, no one bats an eye when we say, hey, everyone should get receive a, a Pell Grant, so to speak, in K-12. Right. You don't have to pay it back if you drop out. Um, nobody's saying, hey, you shouldn't receive that. Um, I don't care if um, someone, if, if Bezos says, I want to send my kid to a public school, he should have a, a right to send his, his children. To, I don't know if he has children, but he should be able to go to a public school for free. Right. I mean, because everyone has afforded that because society needs it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get to your calls and continue our conversation with Andre Perry, Matthew in Livonia, Rachel in Detroit, Jack in Detroit, Dave in Clinton Township. We'll hear from you next. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my 
My guest is Andre Perry, senior fellow in the Metropolitan Policy Program at Brookings. Uh, he's written a piece about how we ought to go about student loan cancellation in this country, accounting for wealth instead of income to deal with some of the inequalities that exist. Uh, we want to hear from you as well as about student loans. 313-577-1019 is always the number here uh, on the phones. Let's go to Rachel in Detroit. Rachel, welcome to the show. Hi, Stephen. Hi. Go ahead, Rachel. Oh, can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Oh, great. Um, so I am a first-generation college graduate, but I'm also a first-generation high school graduate. Wow. And um, a couple of years ago, I was fortunate to finish my PhD. Um, and the way I was able to do that was by consistently working three jobs in addition to going to school full time. Mm. And, um, you know, that was extraordinarily challenging and something that I just think is um, unreasonable to expect other people to be able to do. And despite all of that hard work, I'm still someone that is in debt uh, and I haven't been able to make any payments on my student loans. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's because <clears throat> you're just, is that, is that because uh, the job that you ended up getting with a PhD just doesn't pay you enough to to be able to pay that back. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And the other the other piece of that is so I I do have student loans. A lot of people have student loans, but the higher interest rate is on the credit card debt that I had. Hmm. So hmm. the priority when I'm paying back debt is to pay down that credit card first. Hmm. And I think you know something to consider is the conversation about wage stagnation alongside. The fact that yeah. people who are paying tuition today are paying the highest tuition they've ever paid. They're also paying the highest cost of living for food and housing and transportation right. that people have ever paid. Yeah, All things that you have to maintain while you're in school as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, tying this conversation to wage stagnation is extraordinarily important. I think also tying it to some of the struggles around housing security and specifically rent relief. Yeah are an interesting thing to do, and this is probably coming from some of my academic training. Uh, so I, I do quite a bit of housing activism in the city, and I think the amount of silence, or we can say lack of movement, that mm -hmm. housing advocates across mm -hmm. the country have seen around demanding rent relief during coronavirus right. is something we need to think about in relation to these demands to have either interest or all student debt Right as well. Yeah, yeah. Rachel, and, I, Rachel, I, I don't want to cut you off, but we're gonna we're gonna run out of time, and I want to get to Andre's re reaction to this and get to some other calls. But I really appreciate your calling and sharing that experience. Andre, react to what uh, Rachel's talking about there. Yeah, Rachel um, is really um, if she re epitomizes what's going on. You you have people who want to advance their careers, but um, the wages in those careers have stagnated. And but an important um, the background um, information that she provided was that she came largely from a low wealth uh, family, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so when you whenever you have an economic shock, uh, if you don't have wealth, if you don't you can't lean on a four hundred one k, you can't dip into your home equity. You got to take out credit card uncollateralized forms of debt, and that just makes matters worse. So all, she's right. It shouldn't be that hard when we need PhDs, particularly in certain sectors of, of, 
or certain fields. We need housing experts, um, to, uh, one, to so that more people can get a home. Yeah. So it's, she just really uh, epitomizes what's going on in, in this country today. Yeah. yeah. Rachel, again, thanks very much for the call. And, and, and I hope that, uh, that that things eventually work themselves out for you. It's really not fair uh, that you've been penalized uh, this way. Let's let's go to Sue in Oxford. Sue, welcome to the show. For taking my call, mm-hmm. um, I think that the system in general is inherently unfair. During the recession, I worked for the automotive industry, and I was laid off. And I decided to do a midlife career change, and I became a teacher, which I love more than anything. Mm-hmm. I will never pay off my student loans ever, ever. Wow. Um, and I also drained my four hundred one k. But what bothers me is that there were people in my same program who not only got a buyout from the big three, but the state then turned around and paid for their education. To go to school, sure. Because they were considered displaced workers, where I, too, was a displaced worker from the automotive industry, but I didn't work for the big three. So here I am saddled with a tremendous debt. Yeah, that'll never pay off, and they were not. Yeah, so. Sue, that's uh, you know that story. I mean, the, the part about you leaving manufacturing to go become a teacher. I mean, the the, the the thing that we need people to do, and that that cost you in in that way. Uh, Andre, we've only got about a minute left, but I want to get you a chance to react to to, to yeah, what I, you're saying. You know, the, immediately I thought about if we had a robust public service um, debt relief. Right. Um, program. We currently have one, but it's, it's uh, particularly under the Voss administration, they essentially shut it down so few people actually can take advantage of it. But we absolutely need um, better or more teachers. We need people in other public service fields. And so um, um, even beyond this debt cancellation that is universal, we should then use debt cancellation as an incentive to go in to critical fields. Yeah. Okay, Uh, you can check out Andre Perry's piece at uh, brookings.edu. And Andre Perry, always great to talk with you here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, have me back. That's going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow for a conversation about economic inequality with Mark Rank, the author of a new book called Poorly Understood, What America Gets Wrong About Poverty. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk more tomorrow.